What's up, NFL fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Fans First Football Show. Week 7 is almost in the books, and we've got a lot to talk about. I'm Jeff Hartman, and co-host with me, as always, Rob Statsquare. What's up, Rob? How are you? Oh, I'm doing great, Jeff. Just ready for one more game in Week 7 tonight. That's right. Monday Night Football, 49ers, Vikings. We'll talk about that at the very end of the show. But what we do on this show, in case you're your first time tuning in, we break down all of Sunday's action in the National Football League. The good, the bad, the ugly, it doesn't matter. We talk about it all. Every single game gets a little bit of talk. And there were some surprises here, Rob, in this week. Let's start off with, in my opinion, one of the biggest shocks of the week. New England Patriots, Buffalo Bills. I know it's a division game. I know all that stuff. But, man, I did not expect the Patriots to win put up 29 points and I did not expect the bills to lose this game. 29, 25 crazy finish. Mac Jones gets the job done, drives the Patriots down the field, scores that touchdown to good. I think it was to Jacecki. Great, great drive, great drive, great finish, great win. And Bill Belichick, I think gets his 300 win. What are your thoughts on this one? It's just weird how the bills can vary so much from week to week. Like sometimes they yeah. look like world beaters and sometimes they just don't quite look right. They look out of sync Yesterday, the Bills had no problem getting to the red zone, but they had problems cashing in just two of four in the red zone. And it's a division game, like you said, but it's kind of disappointing if you're the Bills. Like they sometimes just have trouble handling their business. You should have been able to win this game. You should have been able to handle things. And credit to Bill Belichick, you know, that defense finding a way to just make them uncomfortable and uh, 300 wins now for Bill. Congratulations. And certain fan bases will always scream certain narratives, you know, like no one gives us respect. Like that's the Bills fans because everyone's talking about the Dolphins and the Eagles mm-hmm. and the Niners and the Chiefs. This is why you don't get that same type of clout because you don't find a way to win these games. Josh Allen, we've talked about this before, the peaks and the valleys. He makes some throws that are freaking amazing. <laughs> and then sometimes he looks like Deshaun Watson out there. No, no disrespect. We'll get to that game in a second, but still it's just, it's, it's so crazy to me, like the ups and downs of the bills. Yes. Kudos to the Patriots for winning the game, but Buffalo, my gosh, like where's the consistency. That's what they need. Don't you think? Absolutely. And look, now you're four and three and you could say, well, we're better. Bill Belichick, or excuse me, Bill Parcell said it years ago and he's been right. You are what your record says you are. And Buffalo is four and three, you know, like, Yes, they looked really good, but also, I mean, they lost to the Jets with no Aaron Rodgers. That tells you just how just off this team can be sometimes. And look, we all know Buffalo can get it together. It's not out of the realm of possibility. They do, and they make a run. But right now, I never know which Bills team I'm going to see week to week, so I can't put you up there with San Francisco and Philadelphia and things. I just can't do it right now. I agree 100%. That division is just really wonky. We'll get to that as we go. Hey, let's talk about a game which ended in a little bit of controversy, right? The the Indianapolis Colts hosting the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Gardner Minshew versus Deshaun Watson to start the game. Deshaun Watson leaves the game. And according to Kevin Stefanski after the game, he said it was to basically protect himself, like Deshaun Watson to protect himself. Uh, this is one of those where it's like, well, if you're going to, if he's healthy enough to start, how could he not? finish i don't know he did take a shot on a really bad interception that i was alluding to earlier the browns find a way to win the 39 to 38 never saw this being as high scoring a game as it was with pj walker and like i said gardner Minshew. I, the browns they're, they're winning football games uh this was the letdown of all letdowns after the san francisco win at home but they find a way to win gosh i don't even know what to take away from this game outside of the, the last sequence was just really odd 
It's amazing to me, you know, the Browns defense looks like world beaters and all of a sudden the Colts go out with the backup quarterback and drop 38 points on them. But this, <laughs> that's just life in the NFL. Yeah. But credit to Cleveland. Like you found a way, you know, you, you've been the team that thrives on defense all year long. All of a sudden your defense has a game that for whatever reason, like just wasn't working. Right. And you could have folded up shop and said, well, that oh, well. But instead you go out with P.J. Walker, your backup quarterback again. Just find a way to get it done, mostly on the ground. They ran for 150 yards in this one and almost five yards a carry. Scored three rushing touchdowns. Good for the Browns, man. You're four and two. You're right in the thick of it for that division. I know Baltimore looks really good, but credit to Cleveland. They deserve it. Yeah, there was a really questionable, I think it was a defensive pass interference call on the Colts at the end of the game, and, and it was Boy, it sucked the life out of everything. And I, the officiating, we could talk about this in every game. There's always questionable calls. But I know the Colts fans are really, really pissed off this morning, as they probably should be. But nonetheless, the Browns win, like you said, advance to 4-2, and two, keep pace in a very competitive division. And the fact that every single team is 500 or better in the AFC North, still heading into Week 8, pretty crazy statistic there. Uh, but any other final thoughts on this game, Rob? Miles Garrett is an absolute terror in this game. Yeah. By the way, a second straight week, the Browns have gotten the benefit of a bad call on uh, uh, defense. I just want to point <laughs> it out. But Miles Garrett is incredible in this game. Had multiple strip sacks in the first half, and then he blocks a field goal. I don't know if you saw this. This was absurd. He's on the line on the field goal block play, and he jumps off one leg and completely clears the Colts offensive line, which you have to do. If you make any contact right. with any of the linemen, it's a penalty. So not only does he do that, jumps off one leg, completely jumps over the offensive line, then doesn't even take another step, lands, jumps up again, and blocks the field goal. You know, there, there's a lot of talk. I cover the 49ers, and there's a lot of talk about Nick Bosa. And is he the best defensive player in the league? Nick Bosa doesn't make those kind of plays. TJ Watt, Miles Garrett make game-altering plays seemingly every single week. Miles Garrett was an absolute force in this game in a game the Browns won by one point he had two strip sacks and a block field goal one of those strip sacks resulted in a defensive touchdown as well because it was in the end zone and Miles yes. Garrett has he has always been he's he's the PFF darling all Steeler fans know this because they get so pissed off when they see his <laughs> grades compared to TJ Watts but I don't I really don't care but he's an athletic freak he always has been like you see a guy that big he shouldn't be able to do the things that he does athletically I remember pre-draft when he was getting ready to go first overall and he had, he was holding 60 pound dumbbells and doing box jumps. <laughs> like he's jumping on a box. It's like two to three feet in the air and he's holding 60 pound dumbbells. Humans shouldn't be able to do that. And so that's why when you're reading that, like, man, he is a freak. Like he's a freaky major. Miles Garrett is, is phenomenal player. Does he get more credit than he deserves? That's debatable. It depends on which team you root for, but he's a really good player. The Browns win in a crazy 39 to 38 game. Let's let's stick with the AFC North, a game that I was really excited to watch. And boy, did this thing turn South in a hurry. The Baltimore Ravens absolutely boat raced the Detroit lions 38 to six And this game. Wasn't even close. Wasn't even close in the first half. The, I mean, the Baltimore Ravens just dominated this game from the opening kickoff. T sizzle. Terrell Suggs gets into the ring of honor. I'm sure there was a little bit of extra motivation there. I think like, the Ravens look great, but the Detroit Lions just, they absolutely stunk it up. I mean, we all thought this was a team that could be in that top tier is what we talked about last week, Rob. Not the case this week. Here's all you need to know. 
The Ravens were up 28 to zero before the Lions got their first first down. That's oh how dominant Baltimore was on <laughs> Sunday. And look, I had reached the point with the Lions. I was like, hey, they're five and one. They're competing for the number one seed in the NFC. As a Niner fan, it was like, let me look at this team and let me start to take them seriously. And I looked at their schedule and I was like, well, they haven't really played anyone. They played the Chiefs, yes, and they did win that game. But the Chiefs kind of look a little bored at times. I was like, the Lions haven't really been tested. I was fascinated to see how they would respond in this one. And they absolutely got destroyed in this game. Credit to Lamar Jackson. Four touchdowns. Looks unbelievable. Looks every bit like the perfect blend now of the quarterback that can destroy you with his legs and and just completely take over a game, but also a guy that knows when to hang in there. He's not hitting the eject button right away now. He's got that perfect kind of blend of when to stay in and make throws and when to bail and run. And it looks deadly right now. The Ravens look really good. And the Lions, to me, look like a team that can beat bad teams and beat them badly. But when they face good teams, they still don't look quite ready yet to me. There were also some questionable coaching decisions in this game by Dan Campbell. It was the end of the first half. I'm watching the game because obviously as a Steeler fan, I'm very glued into this Mm -hmm. AFC North matchup. And there were some moments where he went for it on fourth down. And I understand that you're down by several touchdowns, but at some points you got to have some points on the board and no, it's not the right. It doesn't look good from an optics perspective that you're just kicking field goals when you're down by touchdowns. But the, the, the lions were starting to warm to the task in my opinion. And he left points on the field because they never converted on those fourth down plays. It was, it was bad all around. But like you said, this is what all Ravens fans expected to see this season. This Lamar Jackson, the Lamar Jackson that is still a dual threat, but is more from the pocket and doing things with his arm. We all knew that he always had that capability, but the Ravens, this is the story. Like we always talk about what's the storyline after the game. This is the Ravens looked phenomenal. They looked absolutely phenomenal. And the lions again, maybe they're not quite there yet that at that top tier, it's, it's tough to gauge this team right now. And I'm just going to say this. I brought it up consistently because I've seen a lot of Jared Goff. Jared Goff outside in the elements is not the same quarterback that he is when he plays at home inside and everything is perfect. He struggles in wind. He struggles in rain. They had a lot of wind yesterday in Baltimore. He's not the same guy. And unless they get home field advantage, he's more than likely going to have to go outside in the playoffs. And that's going to be something that he's going to have to overcome. I have not. I've I've been very vocal as well. I'm not a Jared Goff guy in terms of thinking that he can get the game won, meaning the big game. And you brought up Jimmy G as a comp, and I think that's a fair comparison. He'll win you games, but I don't know if he's that guy. So the Ravens win 38 to six. Let's go to the NFC East now. A game that was really boring to watch. There were a couple of these games that were really boring to watch. I tried, like I actually tried to watch the Giants and the Washington Commanders. And it was painful. And I found myself just constantly flipping around. Giants win this game 14 to 7. I don't even know what to say. Like, there wasn't really much of anything in this game. What are your thoughts? The best part of the game were the Giants throwback uniforms and logo. Um, Very nice. The Giants, all caps Giants on the helmet with the old school jerseys. Fascinating. Honestly, the only thing I've watched with Washington is poor Sam Howell. He is getting beaten to a pulp. Six more Sacks. Oh my God! Sam Howell on the day. It's absurd how much this guy is getting sacked. He's on pace to destroy 
the all-time single-season record for sacks, which I believe was 72 by David Carr with the Texans, who were an expansion team, by the way. And he's going to blow past that. The poor guy is getting beaten to a pulp. It's like watching a NASCAR race for the crashes. I feel like that's where we are with Washington. So he is, oh my gosh, he was sacked six times? Yes. I mean, Max protect once in a while, Washington. Come on, Eric the enemy. What are you doing? Throw a screen pass for the love of God. If he survives, this will be this will be fantastic. But I feel like what you just mentioned, let's let's take a quick sidebar. Why are the Giants wearing these uniforms all the time? Like they're so clean. They look so oh. good. Like they're and I know you're about you're about my age. Like it just harkens back to the days of our youth, which were just awesome. You talk about the Kelly Greens that the, the Philadelphia Eagles wore on Sunday night football. Yep. I, I love these old uniforms, man. I would love to see these teams wear them more often. I don't know. And and I honestly didn't even mind the cream sickles that the Tampa Bay Bucks wore <laughs> last week. They were a little yeah. bit rough. I like seeing some of the older stuff come back. Um, the Giant, look, I mean, it's tough for the Giants because they have Super Bowls in both, right? They have two Super yeah. Bowls in the new, the jersey that they wear now, and they had multiple Super Bowls with the jerseys of the past also. Uh, so I guess for them, they can choose either one. But credit to the Giants, credit to Tyrod Taylor or Tyra Taylor. I'm not sure which one he goes by <laughs> anymore, but he got the win. The Giants get the win. They're two and five. You know, look, I don't expect much out of them, but it's nice to see them get back on track a little bit. And Washington, I mean, they just, they're a mess. Ron Rivera is a mess. I don't like Ron Rivera at all. Uh, I did, when he got the job, I was singing his praises, but everything I've seen from him, like the whole riverboat Ron thing is not really a thing anymore. No. It's just, he's elevated them, but I think they've gone as far as they can go with Ron Rivera. And if that's the ceiling, that's bad. Right. Like that's Yeah, so uh, there's a reason why he is the odds-on favorite to be the first coach fired. I believe that's what the last, the last odds I saw. But that might be... Another coach we're about to talk about that coaches the Las Vegas Raiders. I know the Raiders fan base is ready to just cut ties with uh, Josh McDaniels after the Bears get their first home win of the season. And it was by a guy that went to my college, Division II Shepherd University. <laughs> Tyler, cool. yeah, Tyler Page, he wins 30 to 12. He gets his first start of his NFL career. He's a rookie. And no one even knows who this guy is. Of course, I do because I, it's, my, it's my college, my alma mater. This guy's a player, man. He got some division one looks and he chose to stay close to home. He's from Martinsburg, West Virginia. His dad is like the character of all characters. If you haven't seen these clips going around, he's an actual professional arm wrestler. He's like a, a world champion. <laughs> I'm not joking. You can see him from the senior bowl with Tom Pelissero of the NFL network. It is hysterical, but this guy, the guy's a, the kid is a good quarterback. If he's in the right system, he gets the ball out of his hands quickly. He likes to throw the ball a lot. He set a lot of division two records, for completions and all these, I, he's a good quarterback. The bears win 30 to 12 and the Raiders trotted out uh, Brian Hoyer and it just didn't pan out. Rob, what do you think? Well, number one, this is what the Raiders get for depending on Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Jimmy Garoppolo was supposed to be the quarterback there. Oh, stunner. He's hurt. Cause that's what Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> does. So you can't like, you know, you can't use that as an excuse if you're the Raiders, cause you should have seen this coming. And uh, look, you there's there's no excuse for Josh McDaniels. Like you had Brian Hoyer, capable veteran quarterback. Like you can't. Not only did they lose, Jeff, they got smoked. It's oh, yeah. thirty to twelve. If you doubled the Raiders' points, they still lose this game. That, that's just embarrassing. The Raiders are an embarrassing organization right now. They really are. I mean, Devontae Adams had to literally come out and say, like, "Hey, can you throw me the ball?" Like that's where they were. It's just. 
where are you going? Right. We talked about this with with Washington. Like, where are you going if you're the Raiders? What is your future right now? You got Jimmy Garoppolo, who's older and hurt all the time. And what there? You're in an AFC West, which is incredibly difficult. And you just you're going nowhere. You're treading water. It's it's they, they got to change it up. Josh McDaniels has had enough opportunities as a head coach to prove that he ain't a good head coach. The problem is, I don't know if the Raiders can afford to fire him. No, they probably can't. And I think when you also look at it and say, at what point do you just become sellers? Like they said, they're not going to trade Devontae Adams, but Devontae Adams could actually fetch you a pretty good haul because mm-hmm. he's still really good. And so the Raiders have to do some, they have to do some in-house organizational. Let's, let's take a hard look in the mirror. Are we close? Are we a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl team? Right. I'm going to say no. No. So, so you got to try and rebuild and you got to do it as quickly as possible. Who's going to fetch you something in terms of draft stock? So Max Crosby. Okay. Maybe he's a piece that you move. There's definitely a need for pass rushers. Danelle Hunter's getting looks in Minnesota, but also you talk about like Devonte Adams. He could probably get you a first round draft pick potentially from a team that's looking for a wide receiver and he wants out, but they're not going to trade him. And so what this tells me is it's just going to be more of the same. It's going to be more of the same, but the bears find a way to win too. That's that's worth noting. They haven't had a home win in like I don't know two years. It felt like um, so the Bears somehow some way. What, what is their record now? They've won two, one, two, two and five. five. And yeah, they're the Raiders and are now three and four. And now Justin Fields, you know, he's got that dislocated thumb. We don't know when he's going to be back. In the meantime, you've got you know this other quarterback. Justin Fields does not have ties to this coaching staff. So I just I'm just going to say, just. If, if the other guy keeps playing well, Justin Fields may take a very long time to get healthy. We'll just just put it that way. <laughs> well, the Bears play the Chargers next week. And so I'm going to say this. If if Tyler Bajan can have a good game, I'm not saying they win, but if he has a good game and the offense actually looks like they're actually, they put up 30 points. If I'm Justin Fields, I'm like, oh, this is not a good look. <laughs> right. At some point, it's on you, right? You yeah. are the, the common denominator here. I just, I'm not, you know, I'm not willing to say we shove Justin Fields aside just yet. All I'm saying is, uh, don't be surprised if all of a sudden Justin Fields needs, well, you know, maybe he needs another week to get healthy while they give this yeah. other guy a look. When a, when a rookie, when a rookie uh, that came from a division two school comes in and puts up 30 on the Raiders. I know it's the Raiders, but still like that's, that's telling. Okay. Let's go on to another game. The NFC South, which I swear no one wants to win. Uh, <laughs> the, the Atlanta Falcons, you talk about the, the NFC East game that we already mentioned, the Washington commanders and the giants. This game was really difficult to watch as well. Falcons and Buccaneers 16 to 13, the Falcons win. And I honestly, I tried to watch this game just like I did the giants game. And it was really difficult to watch. It was just no very hard, very few big plays. It was the big pass uh, touchdown to Mike Evans. Baker Mayfield looked very blah. So did Desmond Ritter. I don't even know what to think about the, I don't know what to think about the division. I don't know what to think about these two teams. What are your thoughts? The big storyline in this one is nobody knew what happened to B. John Robinson. We're all sitting there like he's got no touches. I think he had one touch in the first quarter. I'm sitting there selfishly as someone that has him on his fantasy team. Like what the hell is going on here? We find out he was apparently dealing with some sort of illness and the credit to the Falcons. They seemed like they finally realized like, Hey, Drake London and Kyle Pitts, like, they're kind of good. Maybe we should give them opportunities with the football. Kyle Pitts made a couple of amazing catches in this game. That guy is such a freak at tight end. 
And the, so credit to Atlanta, they get the win. And for Tampa Bay, it's like, hey, you started off, you won three out of your first four. And now you get smoked by the Lions. You lose to the Falcons. And now you got the Bills coming in. Like any goodwill that they had built up, it's just gone now. Baker Mayfield looks like Baker Mayfield again. And, you know, it's kind of sad because I was I like Baker as a guy. I think he's got an interesting personality, but it just looks like it's just not it. Like he's just not it. And they're going to have to, you know, eventually figure it out at that position. Well, Desmond Ritter, he, the dude fumbled the ball three times in this game. And so the Atlanta Falcons, this is a big win for them. You know, they're able to, they're four and three. Are they the only team in the division with a winning record? I think above that 500 division is such a tire fire right now. They are leading the division at four and three Tampa's next at three and three new Orleans is three and four. And of course, Carolina just winless. zero and six. <laughs> right. And wasn't one of Ritter's fumbles into the end zone for a touchback. Yeah. Ritter I, is. Why do they I hate that rule, which I hate that rule, by the way, but still my gosh, like this guy's trying to just win a job and he, he can't get out of his own way. Three I, don't, I don't get the, the Desmond Ritter. Like, do we need to see more? Like when, what was the flash with Desmond Ritter that gives you any hope that he can be anything, you know, like, is there a single play that you can point to where you're like, that's what they see in him. Cause I don't see it. No. And you talk about that. So, okay, let's talk about that draft class, like that quarterback class. So you have Sam Howell. Yeah, you do have flashes. Go back to the game that they took the Philadelphia Eagles to overtime. He drove him down the field, made some big plays. He's tough as hell. We know that. Right. You, look at Kenny Pick- you look at Kenny Pickett. Even Kenny Pickett struggles. He has all these comeback wins. He's fourth quarter game-winning drives. Had another one this week. We'll talk about that shortly. But still, where is that moment for Desmond Ritter? I haven't seen it, but I'm not a Falcons fan, and I'm not watching a lot of their games. I'm going to be honest. But if I if it happened, we all would have seen it. We all would have been talking about it. Oh, did you see Desmond Ritter's big drive down the wind? Never happened. And Taylor Heineke is the backup there. Like He's not great, but to me, he's shown more than Desmond Ritter has shown. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when he was in Washington, he he do that. They, the guy plays tough. Yep, he is a he's a tough quarterback. I don't think the Falcons are secure with their quarterback position. And like you said, I don't know if the Buccaneers are either. So no. that's a tire fire of a division. Let's go to the afternoon games. We'll start. Hey, you're welcome. By the way, it's a victory Monday for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they went out west and played the L.A. Rams in a very uh, odd game. Steelers offense looks absolutely disastrous to start but they come back in the second half start to turn things around and look who makes a play to turn the tide that would be a third quarter interception by tj watt where he looked better than most defensive backs do when it comes to playing the ball steelers win 24 to 17 like i said for your niners you're welcome keep the rams at bay what are your thoughts on this well first like you mentioned tj watt we just talked about miles garrett like the guy wills the steelers to a chance at victory like every week seemingly it is absurd every time the Steelers have a good defensive play it's like oh tj watt he either made the play himself or he took up like three guys to let somebody else make the play the guy is an absolute force he is a wrecking ball on the defensive side but we have to talk about what happened late in this game oh yeah the rams are trying to drive or correct me you know the situation better than I do. Set it up for me. So you're talking about the uh, the spot at the very yes. end of the game prior to the two-minute warning. So the Steelers have the football. They're up 24-17, and it's a situation where you're like, hey, don't give the ball back. Like, let's just keep the ball. We'll ice the clock. Sean McVay is forced to use all his timeouts prior to the two-minute warning. Why? 
he wants to save clock. That makes sense. So there's a critical fourth and one just past midfield. Kenny Pickett, quarterback sneak, he slips. His left foot slips, and he <laughs> clearly does not get the yard to gain. They get a very generous spot as it's a giant scrum, and they actually ch- they bring the chain gang out. That's your favorite part of the game, right? And all of a sudden, it's like, hey, uh, they got the first down. They give him a generous spot, and they give him a first down. No one, I mean, I'm watching the play like, yeah, he didn't get it. He didn't get it. Sean McVay can't challenge. He has no timeouts left. He burned all his timeouts. It's the, the play happened prior to the two minute warning. They can't challenge it. They can't. It's not an automatically reviewable play. And the Steelers are able to kneel out the clock to finish the game. Really strange. Really strange. It's so crazy because like the play happens and the Rams defenders immediately are going nuts because they're like celebrating like, yes, we yeah. did it. Everybody seemed like it, they were resigned to the fact that he didn't get the first down. And then all of a sudden it was like, Oh, they're going to measure. It's like, okay, yeah, great measure. Find out. And then all of a sudden they put the ball down and I see that. And the way it always works with the measurement too, is like they put the ball down, they have the chain, but they don't extend the chain all the way. Cause they want to like, you know, increase the drama. The drama but all of a sudden yeah. I see him put the chain down and I'm like, I think they know the football is ahead of the chain and they get signal first down. And everybody's like, wait a minute, what the hell just happened? It was like the only people that thought that he got the first down were the officials were the, and it's the only ones that mattered ultimately. Yeah, and a lot of people say, because right after that, obviously, once it's ruled a first down, the, there's no stoppage of time. This isn't college football. Mm-hmm. So the clock starts to roll. It goes to the two-minute warning. Everyone's like, well, now it should be reviewable. No, the play already happened. So it, it can't go back in time to 215 or whatever it was to challenge it. And people want to complain, yeah, it was a bad spot. But at the same time, like these are the rules. You have to have a timeout within your grasp to be able to challenge a play. McVay didn't. Steelers benefit, but to the defense's credit, the Steelers defense had really stopped the Rams in the fourth quarter. They had not allowed them to do anything. Uh, I, the, the, the Rams receiving core is crazy. Puka Nakua is just, he went off in this game. Really good rookie. Where did this guy come from? Like, who the hell is this guy? I don't know. <laughs> He's really good though. <laughs> Eight for 154 in the game for Puka Nakua. Only two catches for Cooper Cup. But if you're the Rams, like, don't give up 14 points in the fourth quarter. You can complain about the call all you want, but you gave up two touchdowns in the fourth quarter in a game you were winning. So you got, you know, no offense, but like, you gave them up two touchdowns in an offense that's not exactly known for lighting up the scoreboard. I love the Rams. Rob, they suck. The offense sucks. Just say it. They (laughs) suck. Like, you don't have to be nice about it. Like, they suck. I see it every week. Like, it's awful. I, yeah. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Um, But, the Rams offense is good. Like Matt Stafford is still a really good quarterback, but your defense has got to be better than that. And for, for the Rams, you know, you could have been four and three, maybe, you know, like staking your claim as a possible wild card in the NFC. And instead you're three and four, you're one and three at home. If you're the Rams, I know this was going to be a rebuilding year, but I thought maybe given their play earlier in the season, like, Hey, maybe you could sort of, you know, be better than people think. And it's like, Nope, I still think it's going to be a rebuilding year. And I'll say this before we move on. I don't want this to turn into a Steelers show, but still, the Rams were running the ball down the Steelers' throat. They rushed for over, I think, over 130. 135, yep. They had a great clip in terms of average per carry, and Sean McVay completely abandoned it in the second half. The only first down they had in the fourth quarter was running the football, and yet he just stopped. He just stopped. You're only down by one score. Do what's working. Nope. He got away from it. 
and that's what killed him because now all of a sudden uh, you're dealing with all these other variables in terms of Matthew Stafford, protection issues. The Steelers didn't sack Matthew Stafford a lot. They only got him twice, but they were around him a bunch, a lot of pressures, a lot of hurries. So Steelers, they, they are weird. People called them zombies last year. Like they just don't die. It's like 2.0. Like these, this team's always in it somehow. TJ Watt mainly. Could you imagine? I, I said this on Twitter during the game. People got a lot of laughs at it. Could you imagine this team if TJ Watt wasn't on it? They would be absolutely atrocious. But yes. he's that good. He's that good. And that's why I think he's a defensive player of the year candidate again, not for the sack totals, but the fact that he impacts games and the outcomes of those games. It's absolutely absurd. It's comical. It reminds me a few years ago of Bob Sanders, the safety with the Colts. When he was playing, they had like one of the best defenses in the league. And when he was injured and out, they stunk. And I feel like yeah. that's kind of the Steelers. They're, they're such a different team because of TJ Watt. Absolutely. The, 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 it's one of those that he and Miles Garrett, like people want to complain about who's better. Can we just say that they're both really good? And yes. that they're, like we're, we're seeing two really good defenders. Let's move on, though. To another game that you're you were interested with the uh, NFC West head-to-head matchup Cardinals and Seahawks Seahawks win 20 to 10 the Cardinals man they just can't get out of their own way they're one and six Seattle though four and two there's they're hanging around Rob they're hanging around that's what they do what are your thoughts uh my thoughts are that the Seahawks did everything possible to give this game to the Cardinals and the Cardinals just absolutely refused to take the win they were just like no 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 please we insist you beat us. Unbelievable. Three turnovers by Seattle. And the Cardinals got zero points off of the turnovers. Like when you're the worst team and you get three gifts like that, you you have to capitalize on it. And it just seemed like they just constantly shot themselves in the foot. The Seahawks played terribly in this game. Perfect opportunity for the Cardinals to help out the 49ers and beat the Seahawks. And they can't do it. And just the Seahawks, you know, just find a way to win. DK Metcalf wasn't even active in the game. They still found a way to get it done. The Seahawks are just, they're tough. They're a tough team to, they're a tough team to play. They're also a tough team to gauge. Like where do they exist amongst the NFL right now? You know, we always talk about like, is the cream rising to the top? Where are they in that mix? I feel like at this point, the cream is starting to rise to the top. We're definitely starting to see that line of demarcation between the good and the bad teams. Seattle's tough. Like I watched that game last week where they go into Cincinnati could have won, probably should have won. Don't. And then in this one, like you said, they're trying to give the game away and they end up winning 20 to 10. Maybe that's more indicative of the Cardinals. I don't know. Yeah. The, I mean, the Cardinals, Josh Dobbs is yeah, just it's okay. He looked good earlier in the season, but it's over now. It's not a thing. Yeah. Cardinals are, they're back in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. If they ever left it. And uh, you know what though? Credit to Seattle. What I always say, the good teams, find a way to win when they don't play their best. Clearly Seattle was not at their best, but they're still four and two, two and one at home. You're four and two. If you're Seattle, I think you're going to argue that you're right in the thick of things for the division, which I mean, if San Francisco loses tonight, you know, you're right there. So yeah. they have everything that they want seemingly still on the table. I happen to think the 49ers are still a cut above the Seahawks, but if you're a Seattle fan, you have to be happy right now. Absolutely. Uh, there were some really now that I'm looking at this in full slate of Sunday games, there were some tough games to watch and the Broncos and Packers would definitely oh. fall into that category. I mean, what happened to Jordan love? I mean, remember week one, everyone's like, yeah, like the, the Packers found it again. Like, you know, they had the Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, Now we had Aaron Rodgers to Jordan love Boy, that experiment is not really paying at planning out the way they thought the Broncos 1917 win. 
this is just odd. I didn't get to see a lot of this game because it was happening at the same time the Steelers were playing. But Rob, like, geez, what what do we make of this game? This is just a weird game. So the Packers are driving at the end of the game and PJ Locke for the Packers intercepts Jordan Love, which saves potentially another second half meltdown from the Broncos, which seemingly we've seen all year. He's only in the game lock because the starting safety for the Broncos, Kareem Jackson, got ejected for an illegal hit earlier in the game. So it's like if everything went to plan for the Broncos, they might have lost this game. But guy gets ejected. P.J. Locke comes in, makes the interception, saves the game for Denver. Uh, These teams stink. Neither one is good. Sean Payton has been a disaster since coming back. Russell Wilson still looks like trash. Just, yeah, you said it. Unwatchable game. And the Packers are two and four. Denver's two and five. And this is one of those games where you got to think these fan bases, like the, the Broncos had to be thinking, what are we doing? Why are we winning this game? This We're not going to make the postseason. There's no way we're going to be a, a team to be reckoned with. Uh, I get why Sean Payton wants the team to win because, well, that's unraveling really quick. But to me, like, I got to go back to Green Bay. Like when they traded Aaron Rodgers away, everyone thought Jordan Love was that guy. Rob, I mean, uh, the, maybe the sample size is still too small. I don't think it is. I feel like at this point, we kind of know who these players are at this juncture. You mentioned Joshua Dobbs from the Cardinals. Yeah, look great early. They're, well, people are catching up to you now. They know what you're going to do. They know what you're trying to do. What are your thoughts on Jordan Love? Like, I just, he's not it to me. I don't think he ever has been. That's the chess match that always happens, right? Everybody comes in, they they formulate your plan, and it may work early. And then defenses are like, okay, we've got, we're, like you said, there's enough data now. The sample size is right. big enough. We see what he likes to do. We see what he's good at. We see what he's not good at. And then it's on the quarterback and that offensive staff. Can they adjust again? Can they succeed maybe in areas where they were a little weaker to start with? And the good ones do. The good ones find a way. And the guys that wash out, don't or can't. And right now it looks like Jordan Love can. I don't want to make any definitive statements, but I mean, he's seriously, he's got an uphill battle right now because it looks like they've figured out he can't do X, Y, and Z. It's a tough spot for a team that was looking to contend this year, or at least in the division. They are not going to be a rough, rough go of it down the stretch here. Let's go to a game. I was actually looking forward to seeing some of the highlights for, but it turned out those highlights were very lopsided. That's the Kansas City Chiefs and the L.A. Chargers. The Chargers, I don't even know. Like they're they're two and four now after losing thirty-one to seventeen. The Chiefs are starting to round into form. They're now six and one. Travis Kelsey goes off. Patrick Mahomes goes off, and it's it's one of those. It's it's a wealth of riches. Like they get Nicole Hardman back, he's going to fit just fine in the chart. But I again, the Chargers, Rob. Like what are the Chargers doing? They're so talented, and yet they just can't win these big games never they're chargering chargers that's are true chargers. that's what they You're do right. this game is 17 17 the chargers punt right it's fourth and five at the 49 which to me against the chiefs you have to go for that first of all i don't know you know brendan staley maybe he's getting finally a little shy of these fourth downs because he gets a lot of criticism when he doesn't convert them but to me yeah. against the chiefs you have to keep mahomes off the field but they punt it right and it's like oh great we pin the Chiefs at the four-yard line. Great job, us. And all Patrick Mahomes does is go 96 yards down the field. They score a touchdown with 15 seconds left. He finds who else? Travis Kelsey. And the Chiefs go into the locker room 24-17 and half. It changed the entire, like, 10 feel of the game. And you just, to me, you have to play this way against these great quarterbacks. You have to manage the game 
properly. It's the same thing against the Eagles, which we can talk about a little bit later. You have to give your team the most chances to win. I didn't think the Chargers did that. And they even got a little lucky because Kansas City gets the ball first in the second half, which, by the way, was another reason the Chargers should have gone for it. But they fumble it away. So Kansas City fumbles. Chargers get the ball back. They got a chance to tie the game. And what happens? Justin Herbert, third and goal at the eight-yard line, and he throws a pick. And after that, it was like, okay, I just felt like this ain't happening for the Chargers. This ain't it. They did keep it close for a little while after that, but ultimately Kansas City pulled away. It's just you have to manage the game better than that if you're playing Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. The interception was that moment where if I'm watching the game, I say one word dagger, like that man, that's, that's the dagger. Like you can't, you can't make those mistakes against the chiefs. I don't care if the chiefs are slightly undermanned in, in certain aspects, but my gosh, Kansas city is Kansas city. We knew they were going to be a top tier team. They are a top tier team. They're going to be really difficult. I think their defense doesn't get enough credit by the way, especially Mm -hmm. their secondary, very good secondary, very physical secondary. What do we think though of, I mean, we, we talked about the Chargers, but Justin Herbert, like, at what point is this? Is this guy overhyped? Is he overrated? He's very talented. He got paid handsomely. But what are your thoughts on him as just a, that individual player? It's frustrating because we've seen him make some incredible plays. I always call them mutant throws, like really yeah. just unbelievable plays where you're just sitting there like, how the hell did he just do that? But at some point, those aren't enough. Like you can't just look at those in isolation and say, he's a really good quarterback. Yes. He's capable of those. And I know it's a team game, but damn man, if you're as good as we all think, shouldn't you be able to pull some of these games out? And I just feel like, like you said, the chargers never do the chargers. What are two and four on the year? I feel like they're always two and four. They're not easy to beat, but they always are beat. I geez. I mean, you know, like you're right. The, the Chargers are a team, and they'll probably bounce back, and they'll probably come closer and get in the postseason. But the AFC West is—it's the Chiefs are running away with it. Over, yeah, yeah. They're, they're absolutely running away with it. I'm looking at the Chargers' upcoming schedule. They have the Bears. We mentioned that already earlier in the show. Then they go to the Jets. They host the Lions. Then the Packers, Ravens, Patriots. It does get a little bit easier, but not by much. The Chargers—if they're going to be a playoff team, they got to get that. They got to get it together, and. I- I feel like the Chargers are like that character in a TV show where like nothing good ever happens for that character. Like they're just there to be a vehicle for the other character's storylines. Like they'll be on TV and stuff and they'll give us good games and highlight throws and like they'll be entertaining to watch. But ultimately we know like, hey, the story is not about you. You are the side character in this bigger story. And I feel like that's what the Chargers are as a franchise. Are they the NFL's George Costanza? I know you're a Seinfeld guy. <laughs> kind of like, <laughs> and I feel like it goes back a long way, right? I mean, yeah. think about it. They had Dan Fouts, Philip Rivers, and Justin Herbert, like really good quarterbacks, Hall of Fame quarterbacks, probably. And what do they have to show for it? I mean, the only thing about the Chargers that I can remember historically is they got to the Super Bowl in 94 against the 49ers and then got their doors blown off yes. in the Super Bowl, right? Serving as the stepping stone to highlight one of the great 49er teams of all time. Steve Young gets the monkey off his back and throws yep. six touchdowns. Like, that's what the Chargers, they're there for everybody else. <laughs> all right, so let's go to the final game, which I was super happy that this was on a primetime schedule. Yes. 
Dolphins, Eagles in Philadelphia. We mentioned the Kelly greens were out the old school logo at midfield. Like it was just really awesome to see this. And early in this game, it, it was really, really competitive, really back and forth. Uh, and then in the second half, it's just kind of like the Eagles imposed their will. Miami Dolphins, I just don't – we brought this up with the Buffalo Bills, and it just so happens that they're in the same division. I don't know what to make of Miami. Yeah, you put up 70 against Denver, and that was fun, and we laughed at the Broncos. But what have you done in these games against really good teams? Yes. Not much. Rob, what's your takeaway from this game? Yeah, my takeaway with Miami, like, you're good enough to destroy bad teams, but anytime you've played any sort of semblance of a team with their stuff together – you look completely beatable, right? They beat the Chargers in week one, 36-34. They were supposed to have this great defense with Vic Fangio, and yet I'm not quite so sure it is. The Patriots held them to 24 points. You whooped the Broncos. I get it. What happened when you played the Bills? You got blown out 48-20. to The Bills seemingly sometimes at least have their stuff together. Great, you beat the Giants. Great, you beat the Panthers. Here's a real test against the Eagles. And you got whooped 31 to 17. The Eagles never trailed in the game. And I almost feel like we get caught up in like, oh, look at Tyree Kill caught this long touchdown or made this big, long play. It's so unguardable. Oh, my God. It's like, all right, well, you, you scored 17 points. So, yeah. you know, sometimes I feel like there's more sizzle than steak there with Miami. It's a good way of putting it because you'll see, like you said, these clips on Twitter and stuff. And they're like, oh, he Tyree kills a cheat code. What the hell does that even mean? But still, I mean, it's one of those things where, yeah, like that was a great play, but your team lost. They, they lost pretty bad. This is a big win also for Philly. Yes. Philly's coming off that embarrassing loss to the jets last week. They're at home prime time. They got to step up. They got to play. Well, Jalen hurts though. Didn't look right from a health perspective. There were a couple times I saw him run. It didn't look like he was, I don't know if it was a hamstring or a groin or something. I don't know if knee. that was discussed. It was his knee. He came out of halftime with a knee brace on. Oh, so clearly he's not a hundred. Yeah. And he was limping uh, pretty badly after the game from what I'm told. Uh, but I agree with you with Philly. Like you, this was their season could look a lot different, right? All of a sudden you lose last week. If they had lost this one again, then you'd, you you would have been five and two. You would have been, you know, the division with the Cowboys would have tightened up considerably. I know me as a Niner fan, and I'm sure Cowboy fans were sitting there rooting for Miami, like big time, please, that would have helped us out. And I, again, if you don't play your best and you still find a way to win, the Eagles, people kept saying all year, they don't look right. They don't look right. Well, they're still six and one. So, you know, I I think they're fine with that. I hope that Jalen Hurts is okay. And A.J. Brown is I mean, he's right up there in the conversation for best wide receiver in the league, even with Justin Jefferson and with anybody you want to put. The man is unbelievable. I feel like anytime they need a play, they go to A.J. Brown and he answers the, the bell every time. Yeah, I mean, it, it, he's a he's a freak. And I don't know, did Julio Jones have a catch in this game? I didn't see. I know he played. No, he did not. Okay, all right. Uh, wait a minute. No, I've checked that. He did. One catch for three yards. I apologize. Hey, he's back. He is back. <laughs> Look out, world. Before he strains his hamstring again, which you know is coming. One catch for three yards. <laughs> uh, looking at the Dolphins, though, their upcoming slate of games, they uh, host the Patriots next week, which, hey, you never know about the Patriots. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. the division game. Then they have to play the Chiefs, which is uh, going to be a, a Sunday. Wow, that's a 930 game. That's actually on the NFL. Network. That's overseas, I think. That's in gotta be, Yeah, it's got to be in. International. And then you look at the Philadelphia side of things and they have the commanders, the Cowboys and the chiefs. So, and then the bills and the Niners, Holy cow. And the Cowboys, the, 
Eagles road doesn't get much easier. I'll tell you, I'll put it that way. It's going to be interesting to see how this pans out, but that, that wraps up our Sunday games, a really entertaining, sometimes very boring slate of games. <laughs> uh, but Hey, get us ready for Monday night football. We've got the San Francisco 49ers and the Minnesota Vikings. Rob, what are your thoughts? This is your team. Yes, it's the quarterback Kyle Shanahan has against the quarterback Kyle Shanahan wanted in Kirk Cousins because nobody loves Kirk like Kyle. He's been pumping him up all week to the 49ers on film. And look, the Niners are going into this game. Christian McCaffrey is going to play with a tear in his oblique, which I think is stupid. A lot of 49er fans think is stupid because he is the single most important piece of their entire offense. And you don't need him for week seven. You need him healthy for the playoffs and for the stretch run. I know Debo Samuel is not going to play. I realize that, but I think the 49ers are dumb for doing this. I'm praying that Christian McCaffrey doesn't get hurt. To me, you have Brandon Ayuk, you have George Kittle, you have Elijah Mitchell, you have Jordan Mason. You should have enough to beat the Minnesota Vikings, especially without Justin Jefferson. So I'm worried about McCaffrey, but Niners got to get right. Just like the Eagles needed to do against Miami, go out San Francisco, handle your business, and you get back on the winning track here. George Kittle still plays for the 49ers. I know. Imagine <laughs> that. He can catch a pass, Kyle Shanahan. Like, feel free to throw him the ball. All you got to do to take George Kittle out of the game is block, is blitz, apparently, because then they just keep him into block. It's very frustrating as a Niner fan. I can only imagine. Hey, let's get your final thoughts on this Sunday's games, though. How, what did you think about week seven? I thought that we're starting to see some separation, like you mentioned. We're at the point now where we've got data on these teams. The teams, more importantly, have data on each other. They know where to attack, and I think we're starting to see the separation. I think it's going to continue now. Probably the next four games, the next quarter, give or take, of the season, I think we'll really start to see all the divisions sort of separate, and we'll have a better picture of who the playoff teams are going to be going forward. As the late, great Denny Green said, they are who we thought they were. Exactly. And I think this is where we are in the NFL slate. And we're starting to figure out, hey, the Cardinals, they play tough, but they're not that good. We never <laughs> kind of knew that. Same with the Bears, or the Bears, Broncos, etc. All Chargers. right, Rob, why don't you let everyone know where they can find your work on the 49ers as well on social media? So we are the Gold Standard 49ers Podcast Network. You can find us, just search Gold Standard everywhere on YouTube, everywhere podcasts are found. We have a website, goldstandardniners.com. Uh, we'll be live later today to preview the Monday Nighter. And then, of course, immediately after the game, the Instant Reaction Podcast live on YouTube as well. Please join us for that if you want to hear some very entertaining 49ers talk. Anything you could possibly want to know about this team, we have you covered. Absolutely. You can find my work on the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Steel Curtain Network, or you can just search Steelers wherever you get your podcasts. You'll find us. You can find me on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. Rob, as always, thanks for your time. We'll talk next week. Thanks, Jeff.